Andy does love some Andy. It's like you're inside of my head. <laughs> what is your fascination with Peterson? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Dear future me, <laughs> don't go to the courthouse. The Katie's moral a- of the story is don't leave your martial arts equipment and your other coat in a parallel dimension. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. <laughs> I'm Andy and I like every comic that's ever been made. I would not go to Jonathan Frake's booth because I would get space herpes. And now your hosts. Luke Matthews. I hear the tinkling, and then I see Joel just reaching desperately for his crotch. And Bean. In terms of, like, reading this from a female point of view, I appreciate Terry Moore's breasts. Joel Simon. I have nothing to say. That's why I'm on this podcast, right? And Andy Padel. I like collages in my comic books. You graduated in 2000? 2002. Okay. <laughs> Good. Wait, what? <laughs> College? High school. Oh, my God. <laughs> wait, wait. What year were you born? 1984. Fuck. So yeah. that would mean you started high school in the summer of 98. Were you in a three-year or four-year high school? It was four-year, so I started in the fall of 99. Hey. My high school experience was wait bookended by... Fall of 99, 99, 2000? No, fall of 98. Balls. Yeah, fall of 98. Motherfucker. Yeah. Which means check, check this none out. of us were in high school when you were. Yeah. Which, no, which means that by the time, which means you were still in eighth grade when I got <laughs> married. <laughs> That's oh, freaky as hell. Mike. I, I graduated Damn. high school. Uh-huh. I graduated high school in 92. Let's wow. put it that way. I was in. Actually, maybe that's not true because you, you might have barely started high school by the time I got married. Wow. Uh, my high school experience was bookended very nicely on two sides. Uh, the beginning was Columbine shooting, and the end was 911. Mm. Oh, well done! <laughs> Huzzah! Well done. Yeah, mine mine was mine was bookended by uh, MC Hammer. You can't touch this vanilla ice, and it was ended with uh, like color me bad. Yours sounds more fun. I wanna sex you up. <laughs> exactly. There, nothing happened in the early '90s. That was nothing the, really happened in the mid '90s either. Yeah, exactly. Like I graduated. I <clears throat> mine was Kurt Cobain off himself. Yeah, that's like the only thing that happened when I was in high school. It's the best thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, tell yeah. me about it. It yeah, was not. True. It this was not a problem. Like um, I was. <laughs> oh my! I was. Um, God, what happened between '91 and '95? Nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. Happened. I went to elementary school. <laughs> yeah, and from that cultural wasteland, we raised kids that <laughs> shot each other. Yay! <laughs> Nothing's happening around here. Yeah, we Let's need to. Make something. We I've need got to an shoot idea. People. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> Later. War. Oh yes. Oh, we did. We did have the first desert storm though. Yes. Yeah. That was 90. That was 91. That was 92. Or yeah, 91, yeah. I know this because I got hit by a car in 91 and I spent when I was in the hospital recuperating from a broken leg uh was when I was watching uh the, All the first green and black TV you can possibly the, imagine. Yep, the very first strikes of Operation Desert Storm were when I was wow. in the hospital. Wow. That's that's so funny because that exact same time I was stranded at my friend's house cuz there was flooding and all we did was watch the bombing runs yeah <laughs> at the same time yeah so i was stranded and you were stranded at the same time mm-hmm. i was of course i could walk afterwards and you yeah were stuck i was stuck in a cast for the next almost a year so yeah. but do you think it's stunted your growth <laughs> 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 fuck i hope so oh my God. jesus I christ just, i imagine this amazing like alternate reality where you didn't get hit by the car <laughs> and you're like gorilla garage <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Luke, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Oops, no, Luke, oh. Luke, you're eating the microphone again. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke Matthews, and I'm here with the normal Trade Secrets crew, Ann Bean. Sup? Joel Simon. Hi. And Andrew Padell. Swag. Uh... We are here talking about comic books uh, the, a day and a half after the end of, of 
the uh, Emerald City Comic Con, and I think that's where we'll uh, we'll we'll start things off by talking about the fact that uh, yesterday actually we posted the first of our uh, recordings from Emerald City, so you should be able to hear all that coming up. And we've got a shit ton of interviews that we're going to be posting over the next week. But um, what did you guys uh, what did you guys think of the show? Would you? I know Joel only got a day there, but yeah. I mean. How would you guys feel about it? Because our, our, frankly, I listened back when we, when I was posting the last episode, and we talked about nothing. Yeah, I so. think we were all really brain dead at the time <laughs> because we're like, we're in a booth. This is sapping all of our willpower. Yeah, we are interviewing people. Uh, but uh, now that my brains have had like a chance for the meter to fill back up a little bit, like it was a good show. It seemed more crowded than last year. I split my time between Micatron's booth and the and the Trade Secrets booth. Yep. Um, I think it w- it actually physically was more crowded because they yeah. said they had almost ten thousand more people this year than they, they did last year. They actually had to turn people away on Saturday, and that's the, the first the time that's happened. The fire marshal turned people away. Yes, and the fire marshal was actually sh- not only the fire marshal was being a dick, from what I heard, and because there were less people in the hall at any given time than there are at PAX, yeah, and more room for them to roam, and yet the fire marshal decided he was shutting individual places down. He was. There, there were fire marshal people walking through the hall, like breaking up lines for people for really? for signatures and like all kinds of stuff that uh, was ass hattery. Yeah, yeah, pretty ridiculous. That, that makes yeah. me nervous for packs. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. this is new, and we fear change. So that it's might be part of it. It's not any newer than PAX. Well, I mean, new in that it had ten thousand more people. Well, and that's fair. That's but the sort of thing that makes fire marshals sweat. PAX is expanded. A lot quicker than that, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, I feel like Pax uses more of like that very well, yeah, top it, floor. Yeah. It also uses more of the building in general. Yeah, it uses the so two top that's probably floors. why. Uh, well, no, last year it had fucking everything, like well, it, the uh, whole building. Well, okay, so technically, uh, ECCC uses pretty much from the fourth floor down. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. You, you were saying it also uses the fifth and sixth. uses the fifth and sixth floor. Well, the, uh, and ECCC doesn't even really use the fourth floor down. It uses the fourth floor and the first floor. And yeah. the in-between floors didn't have anything in them. That's not true. There were... Um, were there? Game yeah, there are some panels in game rooms on oh, like floor okay. two. I, the panels I went to were on floor two. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think, uh, frankly, I think it was uh, a fire marshal just being a douche because uh, he felt like being a douche. I that think day. it's we fear change. Power mad bastard trying to close close down geeks. Um, but that's just because I feel like being melodramatic today. Uh, um, I really enjoyed the show. Actually, I I didn't get to wander around as much as I wanted, but in spite even in spite of that, I still had a really great time because I love that show and. Uh, like Christina and I were having this discussion the other day because we've actually we're getting set up to go to San Diego Comic Con. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go to San Diego, but I I get the very very strong feeling that San Diego is going to be a one time experience for me because I feel like I'm gonna be like, this is awesome. There's a lot of people here. Fuck this crowd bullshit. I'm gonna go back to Emerald City where I can actually talk to creators every once in a while. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. I, have like, a better experience. From my experience with uh, San Diego, it's just. There's too many people who are interested in stuff other than comic books there. Yeah, that I do not give a fuck about what they're just—they're blocking my line, my lane. <laughs> right? They're fucking defending the shit that I want by waiting in line for stuff that I have absolutely no like opinion yeah. on. I don't give a fuck about your Twilight panel unless someone else gets stabbed in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd watch. Yeah. So I, I mean. Emerald City, all the creators have been posting about how it's one of the best in the country. And yeah, if everyone's that's, like, Seattle is nice. Yeah, if that's if that's the opinion of people who travel the country going to cons all the time, then I really don't see any need for me to go long distances to see the same shit that I could get right in my own backyard. You're talking to right? Scott Campbell about cons, and A, ECCC is something where I can talk to Scott Campbell about cons. Right. Um, and he was saying another really cool one is the TCAF, Toronto... Oh, okay. Comics Arts Festival or whatever that stands for. Mm-hmm. He says that's um, a little smaller scale. It's it's like kind of bigger and more trendy than Ape, smaller than ECCC. Okay. But has a really cool mix of stuff. And I feel like that's one I'll probably check out at some point in here. Yeah, that might be cool. I and, and So what's Ape? Alternative Press Expo, oh, okay. which is the little con I went to in October in San Francisco. That was all the indie peeps. Okay. Yeah. Like ECCC, I think, is filling the niche that San Diego has moved out of 
which is huh, I could see that which is that that good mix of being large and having a lot of info and having a lot of good panels and having all, all the best creators and being intimate and small enough that you can just walk up and talk to people for a while yeah you know there were times I, when there was like hey there's no line at Brian Otley there's yeah. no line at all my webcomics people that I love let's yeah. go chat with Jeff Jocks. Yay. And sitting in the back where where our table was, we were, you know, we were surrounded by some of the biggest creators in the in the comic industry, and there were there were entire swaths of time on Friday and Sunday where there was absolutely no line at people like Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction and Brian um, Wood, Brian Wood yeah. and like you said Ryan Otley, and they were all right around us and there were you, you know, I walked up and made a complete fucking idiot of myself in front of Ryan Otley and uh and was able, you know, I mean, I didn't really go to the tables of like fraction and stuff because we were doing interviews with them anyway. So yeah. I figured, well, fuck it, make those assholes come to me. No. God, well, I hope they don't listen to this show. Well, Luke, <laughs> wow. <you laughs> I did get two different people to sign things because they were coming to my booth rather than me going to them. And had I had Tale of Sand on me, I would have been a third. Yeah. And that makes me feel cool. Or at least Micatron feel cool. <laughs> so, Andy, weren't you telling a story about. About how you saw Brubaker and Fraction. Yeah, so um, I don't think I covered it actually on the anything live. But I think you did, but we'll, we can repeat it. It yeah, doesn't matter. Okay, so one of the funniest things for me was um, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, uh, McDuffie, and John Lehman were all walking down like the aisle in front of us, and nobody paid any attention to them. Brubaker, Lehman, McDuffie, and Fraction walk into a bar. Boom. No one notices. <laughs> but the second they go behind their booths, it's like, bam, line. It's like, there's a name tag, and I know who this guy... I could have gone and sat in Brubaker's booth, and they would have gone, oh my god, it's Brubaker! <laughs> you know, because it's like, person, name, we don't know what the fuck this guy looks like. It, you know, I, it's to the point where he about... like a hundred pounds? God, like, he is a horrible looking man. What no wonder he's a that guy. Yeah. It's all about uh, the, the label. At least half of the people that would come up to the booth... While you were Mike wasn't there, would be like, will you sign this thing? Or like, oh, did you do this? And I'm like, well, there's a large sign above my head that says Mike-atron, but I guess I might look like a <laughs> yeah, Mike-atron. You're, you're, you're somewhat effeminate. Somewhat. <laughs> it could be Michaela. <laughs> would it, you know? I yeah. know a girl named Michael. Just you so you know, know, it exists. I, I could be Mike-atron. I don't so, know. Uh, one of the other really key moments for me was when everyone was waiting in line to get into the con. Since I had the exhibitor badge, there was like a, a, a select lane that you could walk down and then go. <laughs> in. Oh god, that that was worth the price of the fucking table god, alone. Yes. It didn't cost you anything. No. <laughs> the metaphorical price, the metaphor, the, the sanity loss. Hey, I paid for next year. Fuckwad. It was so good to look on your face just to be able to say that. Uh, but walking like in, and the people are like, "Oh, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir." And there's you know about a thousand people like, "Who the fuck is this guy? He's got to be important." It's like, <laughs> fucking coffee, oh, yeah, right? Jesus, especially Sunday morning. Sunday like, morning was oh. brutal. <laughs> it, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was just from talking to John Lehman, but I had a hangover the next day. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh I didn't Sunday morning I don't know what the fuck happened because we got back at a reasonable hour and I got to sleep at like 11 got up at you know I got a full 8 and then I got back to the show and I f- I felt like shit and I, <laughs> we were supposed to uh, interview Curtis um, Weeb. Curtis Weeb at like nine in the morning <laughs> I show up <laughs> and uh, Marissa and I are there and I'm looking around I'm like Luke's not here Fuck, I have no idea what Curtis Weeb looks like. <laughs> I, I don't have the equipment with me. Fuck. <laughs> what about you, Joel? What did you think of the one day that you came? Uh, well, being the miscreant that I, I am, I just don't like crowds of people. So um, being at the show, was it was cool seeing all these people. Um, also, I'm a cheap bastard, so buying like books for fifty percent off or whatever, or, like eighty percent off. That's yeah. the best place to be for that. I I know. I don't know why I'm spending all this money on on trades when I can just get them at the show once a year. And yeah, just pick everything. Seriously, dude, you're not too far off because yeah. there's a lot of websites and stuff where you can buy them for fifty percent off or something, but. You get the best of both worlds with the show because, especially if you have a comic book shop that you shop at and you want to support them, yeah. go to Emerald City. They will likely have those same trades for significantly discounted prices, and you can actually support them at the show. I did. I got. I got a book from uh, the Comics Dungeon. Yes. So uh, that's my shop. I hate to say this, but I would never buy anything from the the 
booths of the um, the actual publishers unless it was an exclusive of some sort, right? Like I bought the Infinite Horizon one because it's a con exclusive, so it's the only place I'm ever going to get it. But I would never go and like buy an Invincible book at the Image booth because I know that if I walk 50 feet in any direction, I'm going to find somebody that has it cheaper. You know? Yeah. Why I feel bother? like that's true for the more like the bigger publishers, even Image and Dark Horse, but sure. I feel like stuff like Fantagraphics no, and that's Top fair. Shelf. Even, even if you get down to Oni, Oni yeah, like yeah. Oni or IDW even. Like, mm. but IDW's then, getting kind of big. So we've we've dominated a lot, and what what about your experience at the show? Like, y- you talked a little bit, but like what kinds of things were you, like did you have the most interesting? So, you were the only one that actually went to any panels. Oh, yeah. So, so. I, A, the sucky part was I was really broke, like, really broke like the only comic i bought i had to borrow money from micatron uh <laughs> and, and i bought yeah pretty much whatever he's sitting there making like selling deadpool like it ain't no thing yeah no shit <laughs> i actually sold a couple deadpool prints too <laughs> yeah asshole you with your plagiarism and your poorly drawn geekerific logos um i bought nate powell's which one did i buy swallow, swallow me whole. whole um and i bought some really attractive prints that dylan mcconus did and she's she draws family man and writes family man which is like not to be confused with family guy in any way shape or form <laughs> although i think they should cross over because family man is this very like serious historically accurate except for the werewolves part um like <laughs> germany in the reformation Same authors bite me yeah okay um and I I had a good time just kind of like wandering around and talking to random people. I got a couple of things signed. I got my Invincible signed. Um, <laughs> I got one soul signed because Ray Fox was looking at Mike Tron's art, <laughs> which nice. works out nicely. Yeah. Um, I felt I I felt cool because I was riding on Mike Tron's coattails. To be perfectly honest, um, for the people that like our neighbor our co- neighbors like uh, was. One lady whose card I have, and I forget her name, but she was really cool, and she's like, we should make comics. I was like, yes, we should. On the other side, there's Scott Campbell, the designer behind Psychonauts. Thank you. That's um, what I was looking for. He's double done fine. Double Fine. He has a whole bunch of just like art comics, too, and he's super cool. He's like super laid back and quiet and reserved, which is funny. So um, I did actually go to panels. I went to two. They were both about like making graphic novels was one of them, and creator, uh, pitching creator owned stuff was the other one which ray fox was on and my like going into the panel my number one question for him was like how in the hell did he pitch one soul uh-huh. he didn't <laughs> um it happened to be in a like pages from it which he was getting ready to self-publish happened to be in a portfolio with other stuff that somebody from oni was reviewing and like they happened to flip to the back and be like what's this and he's like i don't even want to talk about that <laughs> but i have 65 pages done i'll send it to you he sends it to them and they're like, okay, we'll publish it. Nice. Somebody else had a really punk ass story of how they got, I mean. They shipped three people in front of them. No, it was like. <laughs> One of you four candidates will be selected for our next graphic novel. Stab, stab, stab splat, stab. splat. Uh, all splat. right, you win. One of you won candidates. <laughs> as long as you set down the broken beer bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and stay away from my neck. Um, Please, bro, don't cut me. <laughs> <laughs> don't cut me, bro. That's how I draw. <laughs> Oh, it was Ray Fox again. This guy's a lucky fucker. Um, he went well. <laughs> aside from shiving people, um, the he stabbiest got, author you'll ever meet. <laughs> the thing is, he's like very reserved and serious and super professional until and the knives the, come out. Until yeah. the knives come out, apparently. Uh, but uh, keeping in mind that he'd been self-publishing for like eight years at this point, Neurovore got picked up by DC Vertigo because someone he was selling it at a booth, like a self-published copy. Someone took a copy of it to a DC Vertigo meeting. It was like, hey, I found this thing. It's wait, neat. Wait, wait, and they're wait. like, let's publish it. Wow. Name of the book again. Neurovore. With as an MN? Six issue series? Or is mm-hmm. N? N. Neuro as Neuro. in brain. brain Vor as in eat. There's a, a really good uh, Vertigo series with six issues. It's like Memnivore or something oh, like Nemovore. that. Oh, Nemovore. Nemovore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, this is Nemovore. Never mind. I can't read my own handwriting. Oh, it is, is Nemovore. That book okay. is fucking fantastic. Because an M and a U R look the same in my scrawl. That's impressive. Nemovore. I think I'm like one of the like three people who's ever read that book. And I should remember exactly what it's about. The story he is said about what his it's like these Cthulian monsters that eat memories, and the only person in this town that manages to be able to fight them is someone who had a severe brain injury from a skiing accident. Uh. It is a very depressing book. Uh, well, I can imagine it's somehow. It, it's if Cthulian. it's not depressing, 
and you're Cthulhu doing it wrong. <laughs> exactly. If it ends with a song and dance, you're doing it wrong. Okay, so so basically, it's one of those things where hear me out because it's it's going to be funny. I swear. So it's like one of those things where the brain sucker, you know, when you're in elementary school, oh. it's like, well, what's it doing? It's it's starving. it's sucking my brain. No, yeah. it's starving. Exactly. But that's what it wow, was. Wow, this is this is. Have you See, heard of this? I'm fucking riveted. I am. Right I'm lost. I have you, no idea what you're talking about. Never had the brain sucker. Did you have siblings? I did, but my siblings usually punched me and tried to cause brain damage rather uh, than fake it. Never had like, hey, what's that on your head? No, nope, okay. never. The closest wow. I ever got was. Uh, Hey, what's hey, what's head? that on your foot? Yeah. And I'm on my back. So hey, wait, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. What's that crunching noise? Yeah, Burn. or no, <laughs> I, no, I, I so wait um, a second. Or, or you know, if the palm of your hand is bigger than your face, you've got cancer. What? You know. So, so. so wait, so were, are your siblings bigger than you? Oh, the, yeah. My dad, my what? brother was, my brother was the is six and a half do they years have in the water. Oh, he's not bigger than me now. Okay, like he's. So he was then. I outgrew him, but my brother was six years older than me. Okay. So, it's and now he's now he's like he's a big dude, but he's not. I mean, he's gigantor. He's not me. He's not me. He's no. and he's certainly not me without the fucking you know growth spurt that I missed because of getting hit by a car. Yeah. So okay, so <laughs> I uh, I've been reading Fatal, so uh, it's great. It's Brubaker. Love you, man. Um, and it's you know, it's a crime fiction with a. Uh, I so wish Cthulhu. we could have. What? Can you imagine what it would have been like if we'd have gotten Brew Baker at the table on Sunday with Joel to interview him? <laughs> the, no. the the no, the Remender would have been the one. The head, the the like. He wasn't there though, was he? The Remender fellatio vortex that would have been created by Andy like interviewing Matt Fraction and and Joel interviewing <laughs> Brew Baker would have been yeah. the most like Emerald City Comic Con would have vanished yeah. into a giant no, it, white. Spurt out of the top of the it would have been convention that, like center. Like that Saturday Night Live skit it was like, you remember that one time when you when you wrote that and and, it, and the guy got shot. Yeah, that that was awesome. That was Andy's interview yeah, of Matt Fraction. Really says the man who couldn't hold a coherent sentence in front of the person who's like, "Hey, I I bought your artwork. I wasn't on mic." That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> where you win because the rest of us had epic mic fails. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Daniel Corsetto. I forgot everything that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then there's Joel's. There's Joel's. Uh, Canada racism with Curtis Weep. <laughs> and I would have not thrown you in front of the bus, by the way. <laughs> I would have gently no. caressed the bus towards you. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, but like, honestly, have you got any bad reviews, Curtis, from anyone? Yeah. <laughs> I know when you point out like little in, uh, intricacies of people, they, they tend to take it as bad. I, I love Canadian accents. I love them. My favorite part of this whole thing was My favorite part of the whole thing was when you were talking to him and y- you make the jokes about the, the accent and he's very gracious about it, and then you're like, at the end of it, you're like, I don't mean any insult, man. I love Canada. No, no. You're also cute. <laughs> I was, I was dying inside because were, I was like, that's practically so awesome. like saying, oh, don't, don't take an insult. I have black friends, you know. <laughs> it's kind of the same. Look, no, Several I, of my friends I'm, are Canadian. I'm glad, I'm glad that you're very civil about this. So why don't you blow me, eh? <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it's true. But I always love that, and he he was able to say the sentence without any problem. <laughs> yes, so. yes, he was. So I I just usually I can pick up on that after being in Canada for like nine months. I thought I that yeah, I but you were in Vancouver, Vancouver. dodging that's... the draft. It was in Victoria. It was like way out in the sticks. No, Victoria even Victoria, Victoria is not Vancouver, the sticks. Western Canada. Nanaimo, well, okay. Western Canada is about the least Canada Canada that there is. It's it's basically it's like Have Washington you been to Montreal? North. That's that's Eastern Canada. No, I'm saying you, you said that's the least Canada oh, Canada it, is. Well, Montreal. Okay. They're trying to secede. <laughs> okay. Montreal yeah. is the most French and Vancouver's the least Canada. I feel like Vancouver is the most British. In the there you go. Realm of Canada. Absolutely. Yeah. Montreal has taken everything that is good about Canada and purged it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like these. Uh, we hate. Oh, did I just do good it again? Food. God damn it! I'm sorry, Canada. I really am. I don't mean to be this an way. open letter to Canada <laughs> yeah, from Joel exactly. Simon. So okay. So entitled Anna, "Blow Me," eh? <laughs> <laughs> Hoser. Um,
All right. So for the last uh, for the last two weeks, we have been reading uh, Level Up. Uh, it's written by Jean Luen Yang. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. Art by Tian Fam. Um, it's a book by, by First Second Publishing. It was published in late 2011. It is a uh, soft cover graphic novel, and uh, it's it's interesting. Um, I have many opinions and varied opinions about it. Uh, Defend your not, book, Anne. But I do not oh, want to be the one to start, so why doesn't somebody else uh, pick this up? So, can I... Okay, tangents. Vague tangents, slight tangents. So I talked to both uh, Jane Luen Young and Ten Fam at... Back in October Ape. at Ape. And just little, the, their background is interesting to me because they both come from like very much sort of the Oakland handmade indie comics movement. Um, there was an Oakland handmade indie comics movement. There is currently still, oh. and yes, there was for for many many years. Um, go. Go, go, go. Okay, go. sorry. Uh, so. So okay, the Oakland movement's been around for what three years, roughly thirty. Thirty years? Yes, because it started out in the comics era of the seventies. That wasn't Oakland, was it? Uh, I mean, Bay Area, not necessarily Oakland okay. specifically, but Bay Area has uh, always sort of been a haven. Um, Ten Fam did uh, Global Hobo, which was sort of like a major Bay Area thing, and that is equal super ho- super hobo fighter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's only been in the past past few years, and it sort of died out. Um, the the oh the global hobo died I know come on mm. right hobo side <laughs> that's that's what digital comics are doing to us no not really actually <laughs> nothing to do with that um killing hobos since two thousand and nine yay uh Gene Luen- oh God Gene <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Jean sighs> Yang um is most famous for American Born Chinese which is like one uh, Eisner and was a National Book Award finalist both at the same time. Um, and if that's you kill a global hobo, is it a hobocalypse? Well, Only if you kill bit. all Does of it them. Make it a <laughs> hobotica? <he's> global. <laughs> uh, okay, no mo hobo. <laughs> Wait. And, and you guys are saying my puns are bad? All right, I'm going to stop making points that I was saying and instead talk a little bit about the book. It is it is done in like um, sort of manga... F- sized thing mm-hmm. um first seconds goal in this world is to unite uh sort of some of the asian french and american comic sensibilities into one entity of awesome um okay. and for this book it's you know who they should get to do a book they should get uh they should get mobius to do a book well oh. about that uh, only if you have a time bullet bastard <laughs> <laughs> Dear future me, stop Mobius from dying. <laughs> Dear future me, stop being an asshole in the past. <sighs> so this book is um, set up to look almost, but not quite, like an NES in a way that they don't get Game sued Boy, for. Game Boy. Game, Game Boy, right? You with your <laughs> knowledge of things. <laughs> you and your logic. <laughs> you with your logic. And the inside What's that other podcast we do about? Shh. Something uh, Cl- chuckle fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> Collectible card games. Like wait a minute, my Pokemon. favorite dinosaur. <laughs> and the inside is all Ten Fam's watercolors, which are lovely. And is, so is that what Ten he usually works in that medium? Um, watercolor. I don't know if he does all the time, actually. Uh, and it's it's divided into. I mean, it's video game themed. It four stages? I think three, three. stages plus a uh, play again. Yeah. And a but I mean, that's plus all a new that's game me- plus. But it's all metaphorical. I mean, the play again is when things start back up. Right. Yeah. It so, is literally trying again with life. Okay. So well, I, I want to start talking about the art because I don't... This, is, this sounds really weird. I don't know where to even... Where or how to critique the art in this Have book. Have you seen... Doug. Because, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. Doug friendly. The the thing is that it, it's strange to me. Like, um, there are artists that I really like in the comic industry who are kind of minimalist artists. That, 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 hold, hold on. Let me let me make my own point here. Interrupt catastrophe. Um, <laughs> um, who are kind of minimalist artists, but they manage to convey a lot with very little the prime example I always use is, is Brian Hurt. 
Um, he his art style is very minimalist. He doesn't use a lot of line. He doesn't. Uh, he's a little bit on the cartoony side, and yet he is able to convey a lot of action and a lot of uh, detail in with very little. On the opposite end of the spectrum, hey, at least I burped away from that the mic amazing. that was amazing. There was like no hesitation for the listeners at home. Luke just had a mighty belch away from the mic, and like that was mid breath in that sentence, and just kept rolling with it. All right. Um, and then there, you know, there's the typical comic artists who are always, you know, like a little over, a little overwrought, but still very nice artwork. Like a, a perfect example for me anymore is Jim Lee. I I love his art. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes he's a little, he overdoes things a little bit. Sometimes he's got a little too few too many lines. And then you get, you know, way into the overdone stuff like uh, uh, Brian Hitch. I f- I feel is like con- content to be way overdone and. Um, who was the guy that used to draw um, Moon Knight and Prophet back in the day? Like, yeah, that guy who was like crosshatch everything. <laughs> exactly. Everything. Like lines and lines and lines. And I'm this, holding this blank piece of paper. Wait, wait. That's not actually black. It's, it's, are those little tiny checkers? <laughs> How can you even print that small? The, this artwork... I don't. I don't know how to critique it because I almost feel, and I, I feel like I'm actually insulting Tian Fan by saying this, but I almost feel like this. The art isn't the focus. I don't. Um, I mean, I don't think it is. I think it's. It's not pixelated art, but it's very, very simple art, and I think that was a. It, yeah, it's extremely simple. A very conscious so, choice. Uh, and to go back to your point on combining like manga and whatnot, that's very a, a very typical manga thing. Is that the backgrounds don't matter as much? The art has been simplified in yeah. order to get it out there and that's sort of carried over into other styles and I think this is sort of sort of like on that style I could see that just the simplicity it's not chibi but it's a little chibi yeah it's a little chibi well and and the thing that that's interesting about it to me is that he manages to even though it's an extremely simplistic art style and at times almost looks almost looks childish if you really look at the construction of his scenes, they're really well done. They're really well constructed. His mm-hmm. figures are really well posed. He's got camera angles that are that um, are way more complex than the art actually gives. You know, poor, you know, kind of gives you an idea of. You you kind of look at it and you you if you read it fast, you're just kind of like, oh, this is very simple art. But then when you really look at it, there's like. It's dynamic. It's like it's very dynamic, and the poses are very interesting. And the um, the positions of the characters and the camera views and everything along those lines is actually technically complex. Yeah. However, the characters that are in the panels themselves are very simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to see just like a bunch of like a series of panels of side shots unless like there might be one or two pages like that. But it's they're there for a reason. Yeah. Like it, and most well, pages have you know it's not the standard six panels to one page format. You've got Maybe two panels on the top, or and then a um, like a wide one in the the middle, and then two on the bottom. Or they, he does he does very much keep to that six panel grid, though. Yes. Um, whereas you know there there aren't as far as I can tell in this book there aren't any panels that flat out break the grid. Um, there is there, it's mostly variations on it. Yeah, it's variations on that six panel grid um, with a couple of splash pages. Uh, but it's i was i was initially when i started reading the book i was uh, you know i was sitting there thinking of how i was going to talk about the art and how i was going to critique it and i thought to myself you know i was when i first started i was like i didn't like it and i was like wow this is it's kind of it's kind of chintzy and it's um it comes it's very childish and it comes across very like it's sloppy cute. in some ways but then the more I read it, the more I realized there were points where he was really kind of able to to convey convey a lot of a- either action or emotion with very little line work and very mm-hmm. little, you know, it's um it's really elegant in its simplicity. In some ways it is. Uh I still feel that it's I feel like it, the style to me, like just from personal tastes, I could have I could have enjoyed seeing this style, but done tighter, because so it like isn't the, very tight. It is kind of sloppy watercolors where he will, you know, he he does 
break the lines when he's coloring and he does kind of scribble sometimes and would you have felt better if this was like done all digital and done with very smooth coloring or I don't think this I don't think smooth coloring is necessarily what I'm thinking of but maybe consistent. like more consistent shapes more um huh. like slightly smoother line work I think and, and yes uh the coloring is is could have been more um i don't know but i i the other part that's what that's why i find this really hard to critique because from a personal taste perspective i can look at the artwork in this and i can be like here's all the things that i think are little nitpicky problems with it but then when i really look at the art and i can i can i can in some books i can look at art that i don't like and i can say this art is bad and that's why i don't like it in this book i can say I'm not necessarily the biggest fan, but everything in here is purposeful. Yes. The artwork is it's done in this way on purpose. It's very well constructed and um I can't I can't criticize it from a technical perspective. I can only say my personal tastes are kind of stylistically you stylistically could, you could say it's not it in line with your yeah. values of what you appreciate within a book it's However, good but you don't like it <laughs> and it's not even that i don't like it i di- i did not like it to start i however by the time i finished the book i was actually i i it grew on me Let's once, put the, it once, that way. once you put yourself in the, the world and get used to that worldview and you're like okay on the next page this is what i'm going to be seeing and you expect that it grows to your your I don't want to say liking, but when, once your expectations are set to that level, yeah, yeah. whatever that level may be, I don't mean that in a positive or negative thing. I'm just saying your expectations are this very specific yeah. style. And luckily, then it fits the story really well. Yeah. I think considering that these guys came from the background of indie comics, like this well, makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. They're not coming from the background of any oh, and big two or even little two. Oh, and don't know? get me wrong. This looks Who are the little two? way better. In my head, Image and Dark Horse. <laughs> it, hmm. It, 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 w- this looks way better than um, a lot of indie comics that I've seen. I mean, it, because because the like I was saying before, the figure constructions are appropriate. They're <laughs> they're his his characters are consistent and identifiable. He you know his eyes are generally in the right place for his cartoony style mm-hmm. you know it's not like he's a Liefeld melty face or he you know he's got abs on people's throats right <laughs> and he occasionally draws feet so <laughs> i it's dr smash <laughs> dr hole <laughs> so um this is the standard by which we judge you yeah so it's just uh you know it um it's not i don't dislike the art i can't um, I can't say that I like it. I couldn't. I couldn't say that I would want to read a lot of books with this style. But I, I thought it was um, for the style that it's it's done in. It's it's very well done. You've been looking through it, Joel. What you, you haven't said a, a whole two words in this whole conversation. I, I, no, I was letting you have your piece. And I had a and big long piece. So yes, yes, you did. Personally, I I like the art style just because it looks hand drawn. I, I love that kind of human feel that you get for it because a, a lot of stuff gets m- removed in the post production, so it needs to be digital perfect, mm-hmm. you know. And it ends up, it ends up looking kind of like an airbrushed Playboy centerfold, you know. You, it's not real. Whereas this one, you can see a lot of the times, like with the halos on the angels, you can see the the pencil behind it and mm-hmm. the ink over it. So you could it it looks like somebody had done this and it hadn't gone through the the all the the steps the process the, the sterilization of of all this art. And this is what the guy put out, and this is uh, and this is what it is in its true form. You know, I always love always love like music that was done by an artist itself when you can hear the imperfections in it. As opposed to something that's done on the synthesizer, like a drum samples. machine and a synthesizer. Whatnot. Yeah, exactly. It's that. too. It's too perfect. And you then t- you have, and then you take it another step where there's now music where it was recorded in a studio, and then all the garage sounds and shit were added in exactly. to make it sound like it was recorded exactly. in a garage, even where, though you could have just this, done this, it in the first place. Exactly. Where this, you can you can tell that you know the artist did it, and then they just took the it's and a, and just put it into there. It's that a very authentic that, style. That exactly. Takes talent. Authentic. Yeah. Exactly. You can see the artist's talent in there. You can't see the computer correction in there, yeah. so it's auto-tuned correctly. Um, 
the Comics one, without auto-tune. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I noticed, and, and I was wondering. our next bumper music is going to be from T-Pain. And, and, yeah. I'm going to buy the you DOA. a drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on a boat. Um, so <laughs> the one thing I, didn't, I noticed, and I was wondering if you guys noticed, is the texture. Yes, it the, has the watercolor paper texture okay, on the watercolor. <laughs> I, I love. We're going to talk about serious yeah, okay. things, but I'm so thinking Joel, of you in a top hat right the, now. The texture too, because that's the one thing I noticed also is that is that whenever he was going through rough times, you could see that there's a rough texture behind it, and then when when things are going well for him, it's Ooh. done on a and a clean uh, on a clean pan. Just noticed something. That's exa- no, I'm looking oh. for what and Joel's talking about, and it's true. Yeah, especially <laughs> especially when he starts meeting with the uh, with the ghost angels at the end it, it because it and I, I don't know if i'm making more out of it than it should uh, maybe it could have been just in the process they did this on the cheap and they ran out of paper and did it on another type of paper no but, but that's cool but later on you notice the that the texture is is a little bit different um yeah so especially when he's going through his different memories it has a clear placid kind of texture well look at this page it has a panel of memory on it and that's smooth and then the panels in reality are rougher i mean yeah. he, he if you think about the st- structure of the story it's actually really complex because he has numerous flashbacks to different point of his points of his life he has flashbacks within the story he has like him running around and having a freak out from his perspective and then from his friend's perspective who are watching him like pretend to eat ghosts so, but that's getting into the story itself sure the but uh, but keep, all of let's that keep it on the art Okay. But Why the do thing we have is to separate the, them at this point? We've talked a lot about the art. Let's finishing okay. my point. So Naturally I was, segue. Oh my god! I, was, I, was I totally want to finish my point. Really bad. Go, 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 go. Go. Is that he do, like from an art perspective? He does clever things with tinting panels to to differentiate for for like making different panel outlines to differentiate. And as Joel's pointing out, maybe there's even some like what paper did he use that helps differentiate all of those things? Because yeah. he probably has like twelve or fifteen different flashbacks forwards or sideways and he manages to keep them really clear and natural feeling yeah and and that's the one thing i was noticing that is is this on purpose or was it just something like oh i I ran out of paper and went on to something else because like his early life when he was talking about his memories and how his dad didn't let him do what he wanted to do it's all rough texture and then when he finally meets the angels and starts doing what he's supposed to do everything's all nice and and um and in, in not smooth. textured. It's smooth. Thank you. No problem. Smooth. I couldn't smooth. think of smooth. The smoother. The thing smooth. you At least you can with. think of the yeah. complicated point. Even yeah, if you can't think of the word smooth. smooth. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, so, and so then once, once he's really having trouble in his life, it's all textured. And then, then it's perfect. And then it goes back to he's having some conflict again. And then we have the texture. And I, I love that fact. I, if, if it was a conscious effort, kudos to thing. It was good. Yeah. So to go to your point of it being a complex story, mm-hmm. I don't think it is, and I mean this as a credit to the book itself. Um, it could have been all over the place. It's very straightforward, though. Even though it, the writing is very linear in where it's taking you. Even though it is flashbacks, it's not like flashbacks within flashbacks or right. parallel universes or anything like that. No, and I think it's linear, but the fact that they he can make those jumps and overall it still strikes me as we're going from point A to point B is mm. good it, it's, structure. It's a, it's a merit, definitely. Mm. Luke, you seem like you're going to say something. I'm. I mean, the, I need to, I need to preface everything I'm going to say because I have a tendency on this show to go on rants about things that I don't like, and it it sometimes tends to overweigh what my actual opinion is and. I want to say first before I start into what I'm about to say that um, I overall I enjoyed the book. Um, I, I as a whole piece experience. of artwork as an experience, I enjoyed it. Thought it was good. Um, however, I think there are. It's too long. <clears throat> no, I don't think it's too long. I, I think I think it's a little too long. I think it gets really heavy-handed. Um, th- where it's very just like knocking you over the head with with points, and especially to me, the worst part of the book, and I know this is just me, is it is not the revelation of what the ghosts slash angels are; mm-hmm. it is how he handles that revelation. Just <clears throat> do you mean in terms of eating the ghosts, or in terms of what he does no, afterwards? In, no, and before that, in terms of of um, 
the way that he forces the ha- the ghost's hand and then the way he does the reveal of oh they're you know I'm I'm the little yellow I'm the man. little yellow man being chased by four colored ghosts not being racist <clears throat> um well he's asian i mean that's part of it that's I, I what i got out of that was that was the point of that sentence yeah was that he he is asian he, he is the little yellow games. man i'm super pc i yeah. no no it's it's true and and i think that's the that's why he started out with the whole allegory and the first arcade machine that he met yeah yeah was was pac-man, was Pac-Man. yeah exactly and you know, it's all <laughs> he could think about i i told it's just it taken out of context he was like what you saying what yeah what and and i think um I just, I, the revelation of what the ghosts were of the, now, spoilers for, for those of you who have never read the book, uh, go read it before I start talking. Um, the revelation of the fact that the ghosts were, you know, the, the, Four broken promises. the ghosts of his father's broken promises and the overall theme of the book is parental units, uh, um, not understanding them. Forcing, forcing their own l- failures in life onto their children and trying to live vicariously through them rather than allowing them their own path. Um, I just felt like um, I, I here's the the part the part that bothers me is is a very simple part. He starts talking. He eats the first ghost. Mm-hmm. He gets the memory, mm-hmm. and then there's a panel where he says. You guys, you're the ghosts of my father's broken promises. I I hated that he said it. I really, really wish that he had gone through and and not explained it, not explained it, or taken some revel, taken some other revelation out of the memories that he gained from eating the ghosts, because that just felt like there was enough heavy handedness in this book without having to explain to me what was going on. Uh, like, give me a little bit of credit. I guess I, guess I is... didn't mind that. I, I liked it. Actually. Because to him, it was the revelation. Mm. And I was kind of fine with him being like, Hey, I get this now. And the other half of it is, okay. The, I'm writing a story that is not similar in most ways, but it does have a major like magical realism plot device. And what I'm realizing is, it's going to read better if I spell it the fuck out. And I think this did, to me, read better because he spelled it the fuck out. I think I it, in key moments, it, that, that makes a point where if you, if you get a little too heavy-handed with explaining everything, um, it's, it's over, overdone. One, one, of my, one of my main problems with it when I was reading through it is the angels really fucking annoyed me. Oh yeah, they they annoyed me because he was actually doing what they were saying and he was accomplishing this and going off with his study friends and they were like, no, stay with us. And I was wondering why they're so clean, you know, and why they were freaking out. It's a you metaphor what I, for you, family. I, well, and I but was going to see it, it wasn't it wasn't apparent until that that one that one pivotal moment right there when they turned into ghosts and then he started eating them and then it's like, okay, this is the reason why they're acting this And way. see, I, I took it a different way. I took it where, because early on in the book he, he mentions, oh, you've been sent by my father, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And at that moment was when I realized, okay, the ghosts, uh, the ghosts are, cl- are meant to represent um, the fact that he's, he, He's being driven, in my opinion, mm. my take from this was not that the ghosts were physical and literal and that they were there, but it's a, it's, it's a metaphor for him being driven by his guilt over not living up to his father's expectations. Yeah. And so... I don't know. I thought there was a, some degree of like magical realism of the ghosts. No, uh, there, in this yeah. book there is, oh, but I'm just, what, I'm just talking about what yeah. they represented oh, yeah, like, sure. as far as... And, and in, that inst- in that respect, I think that's one of the things that I liked was the fact that they were annoying because to a person who is trying to live their life based on somebody else's expectations, mm. that is an annoyance and it is niggling in the back of your mind and it is mm. constantly bothering you even though you won't let it bother you. It's like he does, right? They're standing, they're in his life and they're always like, get this fucking done. Do it. Mm. We'll we'll take care of this other shit. You got to get your shit together and get this done. And become a and gastroenterologist. It, and he's, he's constantly kind of like, oh God, I wish they'd just fucking go away mm. but they won't go away so I better get this shit done and that's 
to me that was a one of the better representations in the book and that to me that's the kind of storytelling that I liked in the book was when he was using the characters as representations of of emotions or of things that that were going on in this kid's head yeah. and allowing him revelations without just fucking telling me as the reader what they were. Yeah. I can see the distinction. You know. I can honestly say it didn't bother me at the time, but I, see, I can see your point. And you know, the, the funny thing is that just recently I <clears throat> listened to this interview and they were talking about therapy, right? Or psychotherapy with a therapist and whatnot, psychologist. And they said the whole process or the whole point of therapy is to... <clears throat> It's okay. High five and white guys. Good job, Is it Rose. to level up? Good job. Um, no, the we whole, weren't looking the, at the elbow, all right? The whole process of therapy is to, is, is to cut this string. And this proverbial string is your, your life and your family that you've grown up with. And the whole process of therapy is to cut that string of your family and live your whole life. Separation and initiation exactly. into adulthood. E- exactly, and and once once you've achieved that, then you've truly become a fully realized person. And this is an example of it, where he was he was held back by the string of his family, and he didn't he didn't just say you know fuck you parents, I'm going off and doing my own thing. He he had to come to that realization that okay, I can do my own thing and still be good and make them happy too. Uh-huh. And so that it was kind of funny hearing that you know weeks ago and then actually reading a process of this with with the kid um it's kind of telling and the way that the way the book plays out at the end is something that i i mean i like this as a story i take issue with its point Mm. um because the the point at the end of the book like the book is basically about him wanting to be wanting to be happy Mm. and wanting to follow his own path and do what his own thing without interference from other people Mm -hmm. and so the book progresses on this store this line where he's he's kind of eschewing his parents instructions for video games and going and doing his own thing and it's not really getting him anywhere so he gets him he gets himself put back on the straight and narrow and back on the path and but that's not making him happy so he um so he says fuck this i you know he he snaps basically and he gets Mm. he just gets he's i'm done with this i'm gonna go I'm going to go play video games for a living, and he does that, but it turns out it doesn't make him happy. It's no. it, He just goes and does it because it's not what his parents wanted him to do. It's what he thought he wanted, and it turns out it's not. And then at the end, they've, they've got the thing, the point that his, you know, his father's ghost makes is a happier man is a better man. And then the point that the book ends up making is, it, to me, is what it made was, um, in order for me to be happy, I need to be doing something that defines me as a better human being. So instead of playing video games, which is entirely self-serving, I need to go do something that helps other people. Yeah. And I... I hate that point. Like I hate, th- and it's not that I'm I selfish. Play video you know, games. Well, it's not well, that. I'm and s- you know the the big difference, and the big difference is, is that he had to find that out for himself instead of having these someone tell him these ghosts, yeah. yeah, chasing after him and saying you need to do this. He had to find it out on his own. And I think that was what the the whole end was. Like, oh, I can take off the gamer jacket now because yeah, maybe I. I... I'm gonna go all hero's journey up in here. Yeah. Um. So. He's balancing two worlds. There's the world of like what his parents want him to do, which gets turned into this really specific thing of like gastroenterology. Um, and then there's what he thinks he wants to do, which is video games. And mm-hmm. it's been like this really repressed thing forever. Um, and like you say, he like pursues the gastroenterology up to the breaking point, And then he's like, okay, fuck all y'all. I'm going to go play video games. Does the video games. And then realizes that he wants to balance the two worlds. And it's not the world of what his parents want him to do. It actually is the world of, like, the aspects of what he was doing during that whole gastroenterology journey that he liked. Like, somewhere about halfway through the book, they're, like, his medical people are talking about how, well, you're not grossed out by dead bodies. And he's like, no, because they make fun of him for being grossed out by poop all the time. And they call him cookie toss. Mm. Um and he's like, no, I video games, gore. Like, I'm good. And they're like, well, maybe you should be a surgeon. And he's like, no, I have to be a gastroenterologist. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, why? You hate this. Um, so I think it's about him coming coming back and balancing the worlds of video games and surgery, basically. Like, at the end, that's more or less what he's doing. Mm, yeah. And there is somewhat of a point of he's not connecting with other people when he's doing the video games as much. 
And I think they could have taken it a different direction and he could have gone on and like had a life where he connected with people and felt happy. But I think the point was that he wasn't going to like completely abandon his, his like traditions and family. Yeah. And he wasn't going to completely abandon his own dream. It's like yeah. integration of the two. Well, and that's, and that, that, I know that that point was made for the, for that character by the, what's the Indian girl's name? Um, where she's, you know, they have that argument where the where the girl, where the the one girl is like, fuck what your family tells you. You need to do your own thing. Mm. And then he kind of goes on that path. And then when he, he talks to the, to the Indian girl and she's like, your family is what defines you. Why would you give up on that entirely? And then, you know, so mm. then it kind of integrates. I just, I just. I don't agree I don't with that. That doesn't ring true to me. Uh, well, I think it depends on the culture you grow up in, yeah, in right? Like, yeah. um, it, I think in an Asian culture, then that that's a, that's a huge. Your family is huge. Mm. For yeah. me, it wasn't. For me, but then again, f- f- the way I grew up um, was very. I had a very small, tight, close knit family that was me and my brother, and my mom, and my dad, and that was it. And even um, like my extended family. didn't really exist to us whereas like christina has the exact opposite experience where she has a humongous extended family and she's always she's always they've always been a part of her life she's always had great grandmothers and grandmothers and aunts and uncles and shit in her life and i never really did i had you know my close tight-knit family and i i think that it really depends like on how you grow up as to how much of your family unit defines where you go, what you do, and how much of a part of you you make that make that. Yeah, you know, it's a personal choice. So you know, earlier we were talking about in your, the psychology thing you're talking about, like mm. separation, cutting the string of the parents, and like mm. initiation into being your own person. According to Joseph Campbell, the third step of that is the return, like being able to basically come back home and not kill everyone, <laughs> <laughs> not go all Oedipal. Huh? Yeah. <clears throat> Well, okay, so one thing I do have to say, though, that I didn't like, why why the, the video game yeah, motif? I mean, because you don't, it start, it's called Level Up. I, was th- I thought it was going to be about video games, and maybe 25% of the book, a quarter of the book is about video games in itself. Uh, Most, I'd say like a third. Uh, I think the video games were... And th- the th- rest th- of it, he was being repressed about video games. Yeah, I was going to say, the video games are, the, are kind of the, the driving Calist. force behind his actions. Which is why they're important. I mean, yeah, exactly. Oh, I it's understand. Not, and the, it's the, not just that the could theme. Have very the, easily have been. Well, Anne's showing me level one, and that very could have easily been chapter one. You know. Well, uh, sure, and that's. But I think that's. Or quarter one. Or I, don't, first, I, don't, I really don't. First I, period. But that's the point, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, I think you're answering your own question. It very easily could have been any of those things, so why not put a video game theme to it? That's part of what makes the book what it is. Game, game over, over, man. Right? So well, actually, it, it, it's, you could say the same of any any themed story, Yeah. right? Like, but I, I thought it was going to carry that theme throughout the story, but it was only pretty much did. the introduction. It, it had the introduction. Right, where he was talking about, I played video games. And then a little bit, he, he maybe got the chance to play video games for two or three years from when he graduated to like his second year in college. And then he had to give that up and go completely into medical school and, and finish in college and then medical school, medical school. And then once he quit medical school after doing that a couple of years, mm-hmm. then he did video games for a little bit and came to... The rationalization. Th- Andy looks th- like he's it's really strange, like because you're 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 almost scientifically cutting the book into the bits where the video games appear. But I feel like you're not giving credit to the themes that are generated by those parts that kind of run through the mindset of the character and run through the entire book. As and um, I don't know. Medical to, to school me, it is felt, a game. It felt to me. It felt to me like that was a very significant part of the character even though it wasn't represented in the art all the way through the book or the, or the writing but that's yeah. that's i don't know okay. that's just my opinion and there there was one scene <laughs> with with big t 
showing up with his his groupies yeah. with his with, with his, his bitches with his DDR groupies. <laughs> if that was only in real life, I swear. <laughs> I'd have to play more DDR. Um, but I, so I, I thought there wasn't enough video games in it. Uh, I, maybe the reason why is because I really related with how he got into video games because that's how his his love of like the Super Nintendo or not the Super Nintendo, but the NES was the exact same thing that I was. I never got to. So basically you, you get to play Super Mario all you want, anytime you want for free. That is uh, that's exactly what I thought when the Super Nintendo came. I was like, I don't have to pay quarters into this. Yeah. I can play it all the time, all I wanted. Um, look, you look like hell. I always look like hell. Why do I look like hell now? I, I, are you uh, feeling uh, like some post-con? Because I know I'm full of Oh, you. yeah. I, I, I was homesick with con cred yesterday, man. I, Hopefully it's not contagious. Was that all? You were just commenting on the fact yeah, that I I'm look like saying, shit? You, you look like shit? Yeah, I do. Wow. Thanks. Go easy on that. Thanks guy. for interrupting uh, the rest of the show to tell everybody that yeah. I look like crap. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, we all know he's not Adonis, but <laughs> you don't have to call it out. You've been almost <laughs> silent this show, sir. I, I've been like, like, patiently true. waiting on multiple occasions to say something, and you guys all just keep jumping in. I'm like, fuck it. You have all right. never... No, no, the moment's gone. The moment's no. gone? The moment is oh. gone. Oh, all right. You're going to be... Well, then, I'll, then, I'll let you, then I will let you start by borrow or burn. Uh, borrow? It, like, it's solid, but I don't... I'm in between borrow and buy. It's not a burn. It's got merit to it, but it's not, it's not my cup of tea. That sounds like a solid borrow to me, then. Yeah, borrow. But, yeah. Joel? I would borrow it. I, I mean, I, I this the story I don't have a problem problem with, and for some reason I really like what they did with the art. I'm not uh-huh. a big art guy, but I, and I would borrow it. Um, the cheapskate to me, like I have the inner cheapskate that's like, borrow everything. Fuck it. Don't own books. Um, but well, yeah, I but would we buy shouldn't it, know, we shouldn't approach We shouldn't approach this segment with, with our own... Like money was. Imagine you had a real job. It should job. be everybody. If that I had a real job, hell yeah. Bye. She's going to okay. sell some plasma. And I'm I'm solid in the borrow camp because I I don't think I don't think this has mass appeal. Okay. I think I just feel like I feel like it's I don't know. I just, I, I have I, a solid borrow. I on read it. graphic novel memoirs all the time. I like this book. <laughs> I Does, think, do, are you trying to? Memoir, are, you, I was, are you trying to convince me that you are the representation of the mass market? Then no, but I'm saying <laughs> I am a target audience, and for the target audience, sure, it has a market. I believe we could actually quote her from the first episode when she w- said she wanted to be the independent. Yeah, well, I somewhere on this earth, fucking like Doc Savage has a has a. A, a market, a target market. He lives in a garage. Breed three has I, a target I market. Actually, brought a copy of Doc Savage for you to read. Oh, dude, why would you do that to me? I would just like to say thank you for returning us back to normalcy, where Andy and and Anne don't <laughs> don't agree. <laughs> 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 So I know what we're doing next. What? So because I fucked up the Matt Fraction interview so much, we're going to do Casanova Luxuria. It's the first book. It's wacky. It's a complete change of pace from this. It's going to be awesome. Which version of Casanova Luxuria do you want to read, though? Um, fuck. (laughs) Aren't there like four versions? I've got got all four. So Uh, I've got the singles. That's fair. Both sets of the singles. So did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk (laughs) about? Sorry. Stop dying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No Paxbox. Wow, that was the most horrific face ever. I thought you were actually going to insert the entire <laughs> mic into your mouth with that, that yawn. Is I was a, actually thinking the nose. That was one I've of the worst the mid-sentence yawns I have ever done, and I think it's just because I feel like shit. I'm just falling asleep in the middle of the podcast. Stop that. It's hitting you. Oh. You do look flushed. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Oh, good. Um, That's a poop joke, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> God. Don't. Oh. 
So you can okay. get you can get level up in one form. It's a trade paperback. Oh yeah, we never from said first that, second. Did we? That's all, and you can buy it sixteen bucks. Wherever sells these things. It wasn't until I bought. The, okay, so you've been talking about first second for a while on the show, and I've never yes. read anything by them until now, and I. I have to say the logo's clever. It like is. First is second, it not? Th- first second's really awesome. To have the, the, the uh, colon zero one, the first second of a minute type first second. That's, that's uh, awesome. Get it that's now. awesome. Uh, you can rate us on <laughs> iTunes. It helps us out a lot. It gets us more listeners. Uh, you can review us on Zoom. Go to social.zoom.net and <laughs> search for Trade Secrets Podcast and log into the marketplace. You can follow us on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod. You can give us a Yeah. Math has to be. That's M A T H T A S T R O P H Y. At Ann Bean Tweets. It's perfectly self explanatory. At Geek Elite. Good enough. And Joel at Super Fly or Super Philly. Super Philly. Super Philly. Everybody ever says Super Philly. O P E R P H L Y? Yeah. Fly. Uh, the pH is silent. It's superly. <laughs> the main feed uh, is at Trade Secrets Pod. Trade Secrets Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Trade Secrets Podcast. If you want to be a part of the show and ask us questions like nobody ever does, you can email us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. Uh, like we said before, we are doing Casanova Luxuria for the next show, and that will be in two weeks. Uh, in between now and then, we're going to post a whole bunch of interviews from Emerald City Comic Con. So gonna we're going to have. I'm going to see if I can name them. We just posted an episode that had an interview with um, with Count Dolby von Luckner of the webcomic Frederick the Great. Uh, we are then going to have interviews with uh, Michael Avon Emming, Brian J. Gla- JL Glass, who are the creators of, of Mice Templar, amongst other things. Um, Danielle Corsetto, who is of the webcomic Girls with Slingshots. Mm-hmm. That was Anne's choice. Kelly Sudeconic. Kelly Sudeconic, Matt Fraction... John Lehman, um, and Curtis J. Weeb. Uh, and all of those interviews will be posted one per day for the next several days. Um, that's, a, that's a big goal. Yeah, it's not shouldn't be too bad because I don't have to do a lot of editing to them. I just need to put bumpers on the ends and call it good. So, um, except I have to, you know, edit take out, out my <laughs> huge brain fart. <laughs> edit out Anne's brain fart. Um, so oh, I, I want to hear the unedited version. Oh that. no, it's the most awkward forty five seconds it, of my life. Don't not, put it on. The, <laughs> don't put it on the air, but I want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fine. I might put. I might. I'm. That might be one of your show openers. No. Right? <laughs> what am what I supposed to ask? No. What do I want to do? And and she was very gracious oh, about God, it too. She was, so she nice was just. Too. She was she's very. Like, she's like, don't worry about it. Nobody will ever hear this. And, <laughs> and it was funny because I'm listening to it, and you're like. Please, Luke, edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, like, so, so Anne gets edits, but I don't. That's bullshit. <laughs> oh, no. You'll get some edits. I'm not going to edit out you fellating Matt Fraction, though. Oh. So. That, that was Joel, not me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, two weeks, Casanova Luxuria. Um, Maybe I'll read books this time. Yeah. I need Speaking to. Speaking of books, I, uh, I got one other thing that I want you to read. <laughs> what? What? You're going to love it. <laughs> so it's the unpublished final issue of Doc Savage. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. Fuck. The, you that's said the Melty there's an Facebook. <laughs> melty. Oh, you're going to love it. Jesus Christ. You know where You know where I'm going to read that? I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to take a shit and I'm going to read it on the toilet. And then I'm going to use it afterwards. <laughs> that's, that is the best possible use for any unpublished Doc Savage manuscript. Goodbye. Work it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger. All that never after hour, work is never over. Work it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger.